the nerds take over. Us? Huh? Welcome to a very special episode of Nerdables. We are coming to you live from Scum and Villainy Cantina in Hollywood, California. This episode, we are going to be discussing the fallout of Star Wars at D23, a special interview with Scum and Villainy founder, J.C. Reifenberg, and we are going to see if Chris can keep up with J.C. in a trivia contest all about Star Wars later in the show. I'm Ari Rain. Joining me, as always, are Chris, Ethan, and Sebastian. And please welcome to the show, J.C. Reifenberg. Hello. How's it going? That's where this we hit the cheering fake, fake and everything. Crowd yeah. And fun stuff like that. <laughs> so before we get into the fun, Chris, tell us what we learned at D23 slash Star Wars Celebration. Yeah, since we're here at the Scum Villain Cantina, um, we're going to keep the keep it Star Wars central as we talk about the Star Wars news from D23 Expo, which wraps up today out in Anaheim. We've had three days of all Disney. Um, people have been calling it the best SDCC they've ever seen. <laughs> or Star Wars Celebration 2017 do because there's a lot there. Uh, probably the biggest highlight that everyone had was uh, on the floor was a scale model of the upcoming Star Wars Land expansion that's coming to Disneyland and Disney World in 2019. Disney announced the official name of the land to be um, Galaxy's Edge and revealed the that there's two immersive experiences, piloting the Millennium Falcon and the Escape from the First Order, uh, Escape from the First Order Stormtroopers. They showed the little cart that you'll be going through. Um, your skills as a Falcon crewman can follow you throughout the land as well. You know, if you do well, then everyone in, in within Star Wars land is going to say, hey, nice job. And if you do bad, actually, they have people that look like they follow you. Like, bounty hunters <laughs> will find you and say you did terrible. Um, so you can walk out of Disneyland feeling really horrible. Yeah, really yourself. horrible. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I crashed the Falcon. And then they also revealed the Star Wars themed resort that's Florida only. Is it Florida only? It is. As of right now, they're only building it in Florida. Bastards. Good. Saves so, you nine hundred dollars a night. Space. Yeah. Space. You yeah. need more space. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely definitely a space thing. There's a lot of other news from it. We'll cover it when we we really talk get into D twenty three later uh, about the fact that their changes. Almost all the changes are in uh, Walt Disney World, and we didn't get anything. Um, and you guys have all seen the video for Star Wars Land, or at least pictures yep. of it and whatever. I have. Uh, do we really think it's going to look like that? How close do you think they're going to get? Can, can I say one thing? Oh, you can say anything. The, the concept yeah. art looks so cool, yeah. but like go back and you look at the concept art of the hotel or of the hotel room. Those look like the most uncomfortable beds ever. <laughs> like it looks like, oh my god, I totally want to stay there. It looks like I'd be in crew quarters. And then you're like, do I really want to be sleep on the most uncomfortable bed yes, on earth? Crew quarter that's, for, that's terrible. For yeah, four nights. Well, they, then, said, they said the windows are space. So you'll have space outside of your windows. I wonder if it's going to be a video that actually kind of changes so it looks like you're moving. That would probably make you sick. Yeah. It would be make you sick. Anybody that's motion sickness will have it. Yeah. It's just the back wall of the, the whole building. It's just a random fence. Somebody, they said, some um, little kid standing out there with a crate yeah, moving. They, they gave you little details in terms of the planet. We've been talking about it maybe being a museum. It's yeah. not. It, it takes place in the Force Awakens timeline. It's a planet that's just off a trading route. Uh, the Resistance has a base there, and the First Order is trying to find it. And so that's kind of the story that you're in, that okay. you're in a spot that's a little off the beaten path. Um, but there'll be pieces they showed you in the mock-up, an A-wing, you know, out in the open. Right. Uh, the T-70 X-wing fighter is there as right. well. Right, and there's also a First Order TIE fighter. Yeah, there's a First Order TIE fighter at one spot, which looked 
way too big next to the other. Two I still think I still think that they put in the sixth inch six inch scale model. It's or not. That, it's not the six inch no, figure. No, the one. entire model kit that they assembled, and the entire model that they assembled is uh, is one twenty fourth scale, so half inch, which means each of the acrylic people is about just under three inches tall. So everything is about as accurate as you can be. It's as big as it will be compared to all the people, anyways. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, obviously, building a model is very different than building a land. Yeah. So there may be some pieces that are different, but it gives you a concept for it in terms of where the entrances would be and kind of this stuff through there. Um, as we mentioned, we can't wait for it to open so that we can do the rest of the park, uh, which will be empty at the time. <laughs> but of course, we, we want to go. The, the, the Falcon seems the most interesting. Yeah. In terms of being, because I guess you're going to be an entire crew. So there'll be like four people. There'll be a, yep. a, a pilot, a navigator, a gunner, and one other person or whatever. As you're going through, you're gonna be C three PO back there, you know, and just just screaming just, about yeah, odds, telling you the odds. If there's only the two, um, for any reasonable amount of time, is that too few? I mean, if there's only two experiences, two rides, do you feel like there should be more? They're Harry not moving. Pot, apparently, they're not moving here start in doors. Universal. Is two rides true? And Harry people stay in there all day. People well, stay there all you day stay long. There all day. I think it would be nice <laughs> as a as a, like an experience, you know. Just yeah, and that's what know, it is. I mean, it's an immersion type of thing, like a whole planet in the Star Wars system, or like something like that. You know, the, the uh, as somebody who built an immersive environment, uh, it's really cool. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Uh, my one fear for from it, and we talked a little bit about this before the show, is. That if the you know five of us are hanging out there and we're doing the Falcon thing and I'm missing the Tie Fighters, you can be or I like shoot a Tie Fighter and I yell like somebody yells, "Hey, don't get cocky!" Right? And yeah. that's what makes it fun. Yeah. If it's just a massive Star Wars land, how many people in there are going to be able to play along with the massive fans versus not? And I think right. that's where uh, the really big fans will, the immersion will fall apart because like the oh, best wow. part about star wars is like hanging out with other star, star wars, wars fans, fans yeah. and you know, you know it, to compare it to like harry potter land and you kind of get that when you're there is the people that are read the books or into the movies and that are really fans are you know they're there with their wands they're in their costumes they're having a good time they're enjoying the environment and you can tell the other ones that are just the tourist within the environment is it um are they going to allow adults to wear costumes at Star Wars Land because you cannot wear a Star Wars costume no. to Disney right now? They don't right. do it because it's a safety concern. Correct. So you won't be able to... You won't have You will be a human in yeah. a world of, of, of you would do, actors. You would have to go during uh, the Halloween celebration. Maybe it's Halloween and you, you just go it. in your costume and have some fun. For, for an extra $100, yeah. yes. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but the big concern has always been they don't want somebody dressing as Han Solo and somebody assuming that they're a cast member yeah. as Which Han Solo. Which it totally makes sense, but to me, if I'm going to go and I want to be immersed, I want to wear right. Sure. Right. Well, see, a costume. They also, don't well, people, they also don't want 10 Han Solos and having little yeah. kids go, but wait, who? Yeah, which yeah. Han Solo are you? The, the the impression I got from when they were talking about it is there is there will be a larger number of cast walkarounds in the Star Wars land than there is mm -hmm. throughout the rest of the park. I mean, you can go through Fantasyland for an hour and never see a Disney princess right. walking around. Here, it feels like, and the impression I got from what they were saying is there is going to be Jedi's and Wookies and Twi'leks and Han Solo or whatever 
walking around the park, that land of the park, much more often and frequently than they do through other places. You and I talked about the idea that there's got to be astromech units just rolling sure. through. You know, we get well, they you already see, you see stormtroopers. You see the, the first order stormtroopers in in Star Wars or in Tomorrowland. Excuse me, in Tomorrowland, much more frequently than you see any other type of costume cast member throughout right. the park. Well, would you I pay? Like would that. you pay an extra fee to wear a costume? No, hundred percent, I would. I would. I would pay. I would pay. But I'm different. Than you guys. I if know. I got to play along, right. and they played along with me, a hundred percent, I would. I'd probably pay double to yeah. get into the park Again, if I got to be part of it. Experience. That's what's yeah. so great about yeah, that. The only Disney park that currently allows cosplay is uh, Disney Japan, but that's because mm -hmm. cosplay is so much part of their culture that they let it slide. Versus here, it's not. You know, you're going to mm -hmm. see maybe a handful of cosplayers versus the general public. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that, that uh, Disney-bound trend of, and that's one of the reasons that they stopped doing it, because so many people were coming in costume and not really doing anything, just walking in circles around the park hoping people would notice them. But we've seen a lot of people going in inspired outfits. Sure, right. You know, especially mm -hmm. women with dresses right. and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, if, you're, if your Star Wars-inspired outfit is... is Friendly enough and yeah. non-intrusive enough. I'm sure they're not going to stop you from wearing like. A... I'm sure you could wear. Well, it's like the, the, you, could, you could wear you could wear the Han Solo pants and a white shirt and a vest. Yeah, and you can't. They can't you can't bring you your blaster. Yeah. yeah. Well, well it's like, you can't. Yeah. It's like the dress that Beth made Arabella for the uh, her universe last year. Remember, it, it was kind of Ray inspired. She had the hair and she. Right. But it was still. It was Ray enough where you could look at it and go, hey, she's Ray," right. but not go, oh, He also let it slide for little kids, too. Right. Yeah, obviously the kids... Are speaking gonna... of immersive environments, we are sitting in the Mos Eisley's Cantina. Well, the Scum and Villainy Cantina. The Scum and Villainy Cantina, yes. Yeah, we'll edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see us in one of the booths, uh, for those of you that are watching us live on Facebook. Hi. The one person so far. Oh, we got one person? <laughs> we got one person. That's one more, more than, than I ever thought we were, gonna yep. th we were ever going to get. Is it you? Yeah, probably. It did no, it did say zero, and then one came up, so therefore... Does it say zero again? No. I'm <laughs> right. assuming so anyways, someone new. So cool. So, JC, how did Scum and Villainy come about? Um, you know, like probably everybody else, this is just an environment or like a play set that I always wanted to hang out in and, and be with my friends in from the time I was a little kid. When I was a little kid, I wasn't thinking about drinking alcoholic blue milk or things like that. But um, uh, <laughs> my girlfriend designs bars and restaurants for a living. I'm oh, a nice. filmmaker. And uh, I was back at my mom's house last year and looking at all my old collectibles. And it was kind of like all the tumblers on the lock fell into place and like the slot machine in Vegas where like you get three sevens and it's like, she does bars and restaurants, you know, the cantina is, you know, it's a, it's not a, uh, like a licensed thing necessarily, right. right? It's, it's based on Tunisian art, real world architecture. And, um, and, uh, you know, you, uh, to build it as an immersive space, you don't, need Star Wars, You're right? Right, Because uh, some people will say like, oh, there's nothing Star Wars about that place. And I'll be like, well, to be fair, if you were in a galaxy far, far away, nothing would say Star Wars on it. Han Solo doesn't <laughs> right. walk into uh, his local diner and see a poster with his face on it on the wall, right? So Unless it's a wanted I was going to say, unless it's a wanted uh, Yeah, poster. yeah. But yes, we understand that yeah, yeah. there's no Star Wars or... or posters or, or anything that, that puts it you get you get to the 
this is a playset, and we all get to be action figures for a couple hours. You know, I think that's kind of cool. That's exactly the way my wife described it when we got here. <laughs> because there were there was people that were dressed up in Star Trek costumes. You mm -hmm. know, there was. Uh, I think a couple, um, you know, Battlestar Galactica uniforms and things like that. And it was just, Star Trek costume. I was like, this is cool. And the, the guy in the Star Trek costume standing out there, you know, he's like, I think he's in an Admiral uniform. And people are booing him and stuff. And he goes, that's exactly why I wore it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had uh, two girls in here last weekend wearing Star Trek uniforms. And the cool part was is they came and they played along. Right. Everybody was like, what are you doing here? They're like, you know... Well, we, our ship got caught in a time warp through this Borg cube, and we're just trying to figure out how to get back to the Enterprise. And like, there's a temporal displacement, and well, Scotty a long, can't. Long time ago, they could possibly be in this. Yeah, yeah. Line, right? Like Scotty that's... can't beam us up. There's some sort of weird magnetic thing, and that's oh, awesome but it's fun. It's they more never, fun. They never said that it wasn't anything more than just a galaxy far, far away. Just call call Q, yeah. take to take it to Galaxy J two five, and boom, you're in Star Wars. <laughs> Okay, so the first time that you saw Star Wars in '83, your dad took you to see Return of the Jedi. See, I paid attention when I was yes when I was doing research. You did the research. I did the research. It was the first time for anything. I know, right? <laughs> Holy ball! That's why I was doing this, and Beth's like, she woke up and she was like, "What are you doing? What are you Still doing?" Like, That's what Chris I'm like, usually I'm doing does. research, and she's like, "For what? Really? <laughs> it's usually Chris's job." So, what was it about Star Wars that? shaped you and made you such a lifelong fan so uh one of my first memories is seeing return of the jedi and i don't really remember return of the jedi when i was two and a half years old um the things i kind of remember <laughs> i know were uh the lightsaber fight at the end where it's like that dolly shot across mm -hmm. the window and the fallen scaffolding and it's just like the the silhouette of the like luke and vader and the red and green sabers um, but I, what I do really remember is the energy Right. Mm -hmm. about, uh, I went with my cousins and I remember how excited they were and how excited everybody in the theater was. And, and just that, like, it was a major thing yeah. going there. With, uh, and that's mostly what I remember. And then, um, you know, growing up, I had all the old Kenner toys because that's what like, you know, in 1985, those things were like 99 cent clearance. Yeah. And yep. so that's what I got. Like, that's what like Christmas and stuff was. And then when I got a little bit older, um, I met another guy whose older brother had all the Kenner toys. And he and I like opened up his brother's old toy box and found like this treasure trove of Kenner. And so he and I played Kenner action figures growing up. And that's really like where how I just became like crazy about it. So your first experience was actually Jedi. Was Jedi, yes. Uh, it's funny because I found out and only a few weeks ago, my, my girlfriend's a big Star Wars fan, and I found out that was her same thing. She saw Jedi first, and then went back and was able to see Star Wars and Empire. And so she kind of went through it, and, and I've never really felt that. Because I saw Star Wars first when I was very young, and then Empire, and I remember going to Jedi. I didn't see Jedi for a week after it opened. My brother saw it three times before I got to see it. <laughs> but when you talk about energy, it's kind of the same thing that I went through, especially with Empire. Like coming home and picking up a stick, and that's all of a sudden a blaster of running around the house as Luke with, you know, any stick is a lightsaber and stuff like that. Um, in terms of like with the toys, too, it was just creating stories with those toys. Yeah. It's kind of like here, you're creating a story where fans can come in and create their story and think of what it is you just mentioned with the Star Trek 
the, the girls in the Star Trek costume. Everybody they can, can come in and store. have their own story. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what the experience, the, the the playground they talked about is so many people can play in it. Yeah. and that was the great thing with those toys. The um, something that's really cool about Star Wars, and I was working on a documentary about this that kind of fell apart, and maybe somebody's going to steal this idea, but hopefully not. Is, Nobody listens um, to us. Okay. Is uh, Star Wars inspires people to get out and do things, yes. whereas. Uh, I love Guardians of the Galaxy and I watch Guardians of the Galaxy all the time but it never makes me want to like stand up and be creative right. or uh, go into robotics or or be the best I can be it's like a fun story and I enjoy the soundtrack and um, you know it's awesome it makes me cry but Star Wars is something that made the world stand up and the experience with Star Wars began actually when you left the theater and I don't know if there's ever been a movie that's been like that, where like not you, to that degree because of yeah. the time it was. Empire for me, Empire Strikes Back was the first film. I was old enough to watch it and go, I know that's not real. So how do they make how do they make adats? How do they make these gigantic dinosaur looking, you know, vehicles move? And that's what got me into wanting to know more about filmmaking and storytelling. It was like, how did they do this? Star Wars isn't real. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. Next, you'll tell me the Easter Bunny. I mean, well, Santa, my, Santa my, Claus flying a tie <laughs> See, my, my first one was I was four and a half when Star Wars originally came out, so I got to go see it, and my parents took me to a drive-in theater, and so I was sitting there in the playground set when the Star Destroyer goes overhead at the beginning of it. So it, was, it became larger than life immediately for me, and you know, I had I had all the Kenner stuff too. I had the the early bird you know card oh, and. You know, I remember Darth Vader was in, they had like a school fair and they had a Darth Vader there and he walked into a gym that's completely dark and the lightsaber lights up and then it's him and I'm terrified. I'm, you know, almost in tears crying because here's Darth Vader all of a sudden. They stole that for Rogue One. Yeah, they, <laughs> right. <laughs> He's killing school kids. Gareth Edwards was in your class. <laughs> he was there. Uh, if you could change one thing about Star Wars, one, there's, if there's one thing that you could change... What would it be? So, not talking canon, but just talking Star Wars in general, I would slow it down. I would slow it down today so that uh, so that people had a... The reason everybody knows Star Wars back and forth and the trash and, and all of these things is that that's all you had. From mm-hmm. 77 to 80, all you had was Star Wars. So you like went to the theater a thousand times and saw it. And then for... What, from uh, 1983 to 1999, all we had was those three movies. And you loved it so much, you devoured every, you know, Salacious Crumb is a Kowakian monkey lizard. And you had to read that on the back of a Topps card that your brother left behind for you when he went to college. Like, you had to dig up those facts because it was the only way to stay in that world. And now it's like... Or the role-playing game. Or the role-playing game. game. I've always said the role-playing game is the is that the, the, the birthplace of the Renaissance was because people were so desperate for not only new stories, but also to participate and find mm-hmm. all these facts. You know, what is the real name of an X-Wing? What is this? How does the Empire work? And that sort of things. And then it exploded into the EU. But today, what, what you're dealing with is a world in which people are talking about the Han Solo movie before The Last Jedi's have even come out. Right. And so you're, you're, you're almost just like, you know... Uh, Force Awakens came out, and before we even had a chance to talk about Force Awakens and let it sink in, we had Rogue One trailer at Star Wars Celebration, and we had uh, you know the Han Solo announcement, and we had Star Wars Rebels, and then we had the Blu-ray announcement, and then we had this, and then we had this, and then we had this, and you're, I, I just want to slow it down. 
Are you going to see them with when 2000? Because right now they only have things announced to ni- uh, 2019. When Chris has made this comment that they need to take 2020 either off or just kind of like oh, like you're saying, slow Books it down. Books and comments is fine, but don't do the media. Just slow it down. Just slow it down a little it's like bit. He's been listening to our show. Yeah, I, I know, made right? that complaint in terms of everything. It's just like well, you know, you have guard. Well, we were talking about the of Guardians just before Guardians Two came out. It was revealed that um, Guardians Three, the Guardians Three, was being written, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you can't even get two out. Right. We're already like, oh, no, screw that. We don't even need to release that movie. Let's talk about Guardians Three, which comes out in five years. It, it's a disposable society, right? Right. Like you used to have a TV, and it would break, and you took it to the repairman, and you got it fixed, and you watched it for another five, ten years. Now your TV breaks, and you're at Best Buy or on Amazon.com before you've even like check to see if the power switch was flipped, right? Right. Yeah. And so I my concern I just Star Wars is a commodity now and comic book films are a commodity and what's awesome is is this there's so much of it, but that's also it dilutes how special it is. Right. And that's that's one of the things that I'm that I wish uh, Star Wars could be more precious, right? The more rare something is the more precious right. you hold it. And that's one of the things that that I would change. Do you want to go back to the time when not everybody was a Star Wars fan? I mean... Because it's, 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 it's a thing. To... We've talked about this, too. In terms of this nerd culture, and I've been in it since I was a kid. Star Wars, comics, G.I. Joe, dinosaurs, all of that. And this is all we ever asked for, right? We want everybody to take us seriously, and we want movies, and we want TV. And then we all got it, and we're going, okay, now we kind of want these people to go away. The... You know, and not being... We're not, especially here, we're not... Um, you know, the gatekeeper or whatever. I love the fact there's more Star Wars fans. I love seeing little kids into Star Wars and, and that. But there is something to be said for that time. When you're in 1991 and you look at somebody and they're wearing a Star Wars t-shirt and you're like, I know that guy. That guy's, that guy's my people. Yeah. And we don't see that as much. So anymore. that's what uh, Star Wars Celebration always... Yeah. <clears throat> you could walk up to anybody in Orlando or in Indianapolis or in downtown LA when the Star Wars Celebration was here and you knew like they'd be your best friend for a very long time. Uh, talk on the internet, whatever, because you guys geeked out together. Now, yes, it is a weird thing where I was sitting in Denver airport and I every fifth person had a Star Wars shirt on. Right. In the past, I'd go up to them and just be like, oh my gosh, you and I yeah. are best friends and we just haven't met yet. And today, I just watch those people and be like, you got that at Target, that's her universe. <laughs> like, that's where I... <laughs> how it how how I, yeah i mean that's kind of how yeah, we'll see, how it is now and so i, I got mine yeah. yeah oh yeah so <laughs> but that again is like something with this bar that's really cool is uh, not to like do a weird promotion but like you get some of that at this bar where it's only one people, person that's watching us you're cool people <laughs> walk in people walk in and there's a there is a community here of people who mm-hmm. who you see the dude in the cool obi-wan costume and you can go up and talk to him about you know well that was the, the ex- fact that winter is the name of uh, jason and jana solo's babysitter yeah. you know or like yeah. ghent is the slicer from talon cards organization and everybody who's listening right now is like wow you're okay click i'm done <laughs> but like that there are people in this bar every night that you can have that conversation with well, the, which i think is it was cool. really cool though because when we were here with my wife and my daughter you know, you only have so many booths that you can get into, and then there's a lot of standing room and a lot of um, bar stools. But you know, we saw another family come in, never met him anything, and we just like, oh, here, sit down. And by the end of the night, you know, we were talking, and we you know knew each other, and the you know, kids were hanging out and just having a blast. 
And you're right. There's that Star Wars commodity. 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 Wow. Camaraderie. Camaraderie. Thank you. you. That very good comrade. Mm-hmm. That you had when you met you, you know back in eighties and nineties when there was so many Star Wars T-shirts out there. And I think that still exists to a degree. I mean, I don't want to sit here and, and bag on everybody. You know, every Star Wars has its different fans or people that just have seen seven films and or eight films, and that's kind of their deal. And then there's right. people like us that you know, comics and books and games and everything just devour anything that's Star Wars and debate it and talk about it and do whatever. There are levels to it, and that's okay. But yeah. there is something to be said. I always remember when I was a kid riding on the back of my dad's motorcycle. If you ever passed on their motorcycle, you head checked them. You mm-hmm. chin checked, you did the thing. He used to have that. And, you know, I still have it. I see someone walk by with a dinosaur t shirt from, you know, the Museum of the Rockies in Denver, and I'm like, hey, what's up? And they'll look <laughs> at you, and they're like, well, yeah, what's your favorite dinosaur? What's your favorite dinosaur? What about this? What about that? And you'll go through there. And so <laughs> it, it still exists to a certain degree. When you find out people are, are Star Wars fans or comic fans or whatever, it's a little easier for me working in a comic book store. You know, people yeah. come in and. Um, you know, we debate whether Luke Skywalker turns out to be the bad guy in Episode Seven or stuff like that, mm. and that's the, that part's still fun. So, right. Um. So, as a Star Wars fan, you you were also you said you're a filmmaker. You've made two, at least two that I know of, Star Wars fan films: Use the Force and the Summer of '78, mm-hmm. which are both great. I want you to get a chance to talk about those, but I wanted to ask you as a filmmaker. If you could write and direct one Star Wars film, whether it be a saga or a standalone, what would the plot be? So, or what would it be about? So there's a lot of uh, a pressure that comes with being a Star Wars director, right? And you've seen that with Gareth Edwards, and you've seen that with the Lego guys, who are, uh, Lord and Miller, who aren't there anymore, and, and Josh Trank, and even J.J. didn't want to do it. And, uh, so I've, I've come up with the answer... Which, uh, which puts me in a position where if I do a good job, I'm a hero. And if I ruin it, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. And that is, I want to do a Shane Black style buddy comedy that is a prequel to episode one. That is mm-hmm. Jar Jar and Captain Tarples <laughs> as Otagunga police officers prior to their time in the military. And the, the basic plot would be... Uh, the, a, a child from Naboo is stolen, and the the queen before Amidala uh, is blaming the Gungans, and so Jar Jar and Tarples in a very like uh, uh, lethal weapon style comedy have to go out and discover who actually stole this child, and and it ties into Episode One because you get to learn like why Jar Jar crossed, crashed the boss's hay blubber. You know, and right. and you know, and, and those types of <laughs> why he burning questions, why he's banished, and yeah. why the N- Naboon no liking them, Misa thinks, and all of that sort of stuff. But you do it like you take it seriously within a genre. Like if you guys saw Nice Guys with Russell Crowe yes. and um, and that Ryan really Gosling. pretty guy who does Ryan Gosling, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. yeah, Ryan Gosling. Uh. Like, you do that, only it's Jar Jar and Tarples. And they're, they're going through, you know, Thede City in weird disguises. And I don't know. I mean, I think, that, I think that'd be so the fun. Char- the characters are funny, but the action around them is true. Correct. Okay. Yeah, you do, you That's find... A, you know they're going to make that movie now. I know. I've been... I've been That's how Jar Jar's going to make us come back. The other fan film I want to do 
and I don't know if I've told anybody publicly, but I'll just talk about it. I am uh, working on making the most realistic Jar Jar Banks costumes that ever has been made. Fair because right. it's been, it. Uh, the next Star Wars celebration, I think, is going to be in 2019, and it'll be the 20-year yeah, anniversary year. of, uh, episode, of one. episode one. And um, and I think it's time that like people laid off Jar Jar a little bit. Like, he, honest to God, isn't that much more annoying as an eight-year-old than like if you were eight when you saw C-3PO? Right. You know, and and so I want to make the costume, and so I want to document me making that costume. And I'm talking like full animatronic mouth mm. stuff that they didn't even make for episode one, because you've se I've seen great Chewbacca costumes mm -hmm. at Stormtrooper, but you've never seen a Jar Jar come to life in real right. life, right? Because right. he's CG. Okay. And then, and then the last frontier of costume making, yes. cosplaying, basically. And then what I want to do is I want to have I want to do I want to document me doing that, and then I want to go out and talk to fans who grew up when that were kids when Jar Jar was went cool to them and, and interview them and cut those things into a documentary and then do this kind of like meta thing where Jar Jar is on a um, psychiatrist couch and he's talking to the psychiatrist about, uh, about how he wants to um, like come back into the public eye and it's been 20 years and that he's ready. That would be really cool. And then I want the psychiatrist to be played by Ahmed Best. Oh, that would be really good. And and so you cut all three of those together into this weird meta kind of yeah. like uh, experimental film. I think that'd be fun. That would be really cool. I also, one other fan film I worked on that was more, I don't know, it was kind of a fan film, I guess, is uh, Kyle Newman and I did a, a mini documentary called Return of Return of the Jedi, where we interviewed all sorts of Star Wars celebrities about how they actually love Return of the Jedi and Ewoks and things. So, um, so that's on YouTube also. That's cool. Wait, is that the one we always talk about? I think so. Because the one we basically grew like, I love Ewoks. Because like, when you were talking about Jar Jar and that sense of laying off them, you kind of got to the point with Ewoks, the same thing, where you get mm -hmm. to a point and you go, dude, enough about the Ewoks. They mm -hmm. happened. We know why they happened. They still, they still destroy the Empire. Well, they're right. teddy bears. Great. I've always treated them as an allegory, as the rebellion itself. Exactly. They're, they're, there's no way they should win, but somehow they win because they're right, because they're, they're, they're good. We just had this conversation. Yeah, it's pure. Conversation. Yeah. yeah. And then as you get to, um, have you read any of the new, the, the new canon novels? I haven't done. Yeah, uh, no. In aftermath, the one of the characters in it is an ex-imperial, and one of the reasons that he pretends he's dead on Endor and then runs away really quickly is he finds out the Ewoks are eating. The, the dead mm -hmm. Imperials. They're roasting them. So the, the heads that they're playing, you know, the, the helmets that they're playing, the heads inside of them are now in their bellies. Is that, yeah, because they do, when they get up, they're going to cook Han and Luke. Han yeah. is over the spit. They're going to yeah. burn them and serve them as a feast to their golden god. So I, we love the fact that we got, you know, the, the Ewoks have kind of made that 180 circle where now they're kind of cool again. Someday, maybe, maybe we'll get that. With I Jar -Jar. mean, without Jar Jar Binks, there's no Empire. Without the Empire, That's there's right. no Luke yeah. Skywalker. He's Luke Skywalker grows up to, and he's moisture farming. That's not very exciting. Yeah. Jar Jar is responsible. He's a Shakespearean character <laughs> from a certain point of view. He is responsible for giving us from all a certain point of view. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, um, last night, Chris and I did a, a declassified podcast where we talked about the three things that really bug us within the Star Wars universe that kind of, uh, without affecting canon, did we say? Or how do we... No, no, it has to be canon. It has, yeah, to, be, okay. it has to be something that, that's like, 
you know, it's not a character. It's a canon. It's a story. It's a yeah, story. yeah. The one, the one that I point out to pick is that the clones had the chip, so they were brainwashed for Order sixty six rather than they were soldiers who were following an okay. order. I always liked the soldier soldier following the order. I hated the chip, so that's the thing that bugs. Okay. Me. And I had like the Kyber crystal change now, where the Kyber crystal bleeds with, yeah, the whether the Sith, you know, if you're the a Sith, Sith Kyber and the, okay. the color the changes user, depending on the Jedi. The user can change the crystal as if the crystal is almost a living entity. Okay, so I have uh, I, I didn't quite understand the question, no, that's well, okay. but I do have one of those that drives okay. me crazy. Or I have two, actually. Uh, the two things that drive me absolutely nuts. Uh, the biggest one is uh Luke says, Leia, do you remember your mother? No, your real mother, right? <laughs> and We had this conversation and, last night. And the issue is, is like, it's a very easy thing if Leia is born first mm -hmm. and Padme gets a moment to hold Leia and they have some connection through the Force or right. whatever, and then Luke has no memory because he was born as Padme died. So Leia got that connection and Luke didn't. But in Revenge of the Sith, Luke's born first. Yes. She touches Luke's cheek, and then Leia's born and she, Padme's gone. So it makes no sense, and it's such a simple... It's like a simple dialogue fix that saves that thing. The other thing that drives me crazy, absolutely crazy, and it's such a tiny little nitpicky thing. That's the fun part. But <laughs> the lightsaber that Obi-Wan gives to Luke has a D-ring belt clip yes. on it. And the one that Obi-Wan picks up on Mustafar has a cover tech belt clip on it. And I just have a really hard time believing that Obi-Wan put that in a chest and then was like, you know what's in fashion now? D-rings. <laughs> so I'm going to unscrew the cover tech chip and I'm going to put a D-ring on here and then give it to Luke. Like, no point in those 18 years did Obi-Wan think to change the way that that lightsaber clips onto a belt. And that drives me nuts. Drives me absolutely nuts. Those are the two things. You, you, Fashion changes in in what eighteen years? It does, but but <laughs> but a relic is not. I mean, change. why do you? Yeah, why, why, also, why are you doing it's that? It's also the, the the especially like lines of dialogue where Obi Wan tells Luke, "You're going to go to the Jedi Master who trained me," and he sends him to Yoda, and it's yes, not, yeah. that doesn't really work at all. He could have just said, "I'm going to send you to the last Jedi Master," right? Or have the or a line in Episode One that Yoda begins to train Obi-Wan and then gives him to Pat to, sure. to Qui-Gon. Something, right. yeah, there's there's lines in it or, or just a small thing that can kind of, not necessarily fix, but to, to fit the dialogue Within, which you already have yeah. from 20 years before. Right. So I know we're running a little bit long with the questions, but I do want to ask, okay, because you've been to Skywalker Ranch multiple times. Yes. And one way you were able to get there was because you did a trivia contest for TRL mm -hmm. and won. Um, was that your first trip to Skywalker Ranch? TRL was my first trip, yes. So, for all of us that haven't been, other than maybe to the gates, <laughs> or seen it over the hill 58, when you get there. 58 Lucas Valley Road. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe figure that out before the next time I drive around San Francisco <laughs> trying to figure out where that. Oh, happened. you have to go out the Marin anyways. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, you were thinking of the Lucasfilm building that we yeah. couldn't get to. No, no, so what What was it like experiencing Luke, uh, the Star Wars, Skywalker Ranch? Um, so I didn't ever grow up going to Disneyland. I grew up wanting to go to Skywalker Ranch, so going to Skywalker Ranch must be what it's like for a kid to go to Disneyland. Right. Like, at eight years old, only I was 23 or 24 when I went. But I had that feeling of what like a, a seven-year-old girl must feel like when she gets to go to the Magic Kingdom. Um, it was incredible. 
And then, like, I, I mean, you just can't even describe it. I had tears in my eyes the whole time. And just like the movie Fanboys, when I saw, like, Lucas mm -hmm. Valley Road, I'm taking photos of it. Um, and then uh, I got to see Revenge of the Sith on May 5th uh, there. And George Lucas was sitting two rows behind me. So I got to, like, watch the movie with the filmmaker. Um, and then afterwards, it wasn't planned but I was talking to one of the TRL guys on the patio and George walked out of the building and I got a chance to like talk to George for a minute and he gave me a hug and that was like <laughs> I mean I had like a little bit of a breakdown for like an hour and a half um <laughs> but that was the moment when you know they always say you can do anything you put your mind to right. that was the moment when I was like I can do anything I put my mind to like that it like it really changed the way that like I like I'm not afraid to go and try things anymore, right? right? Do or do not, there is no try. Like going to Skywalker Ranch and getting a hug from George Lucas, like sold that to my soul. It validated everything. It va right? it, it just made it all real. It so made George, it all. Po it made anything possible. George Lucas didn't ruin your childhood by making the prequels. You know, no. one of those people? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, it's Never, your don't, Travis. Yeah. Yeah. Don't introduce him to Travis. I know. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't introduce him to Travis. Tra Travis, uh, Travis is the Star Wars fan who likes four hours of Star Wars. The, yeah, well, and here's the thing with that. Like, whatever you say, like, George Lucas, if, if Star Wars is that important to you, George Lucas made your childhood. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can ignore those movies if you want, but if you're going to say he raped your childhood, then you can't be a Star Wars fan anymore. Right. You cannot, because... If you love Star Wars that much, he created your childhood. Mm -hmm. right. You know, and he can't go back. Did he go back in a DeLorean and and take that away from you? Did he make it worse somehow? Did he ruin your memories of Star right. Wars and ruin you and your friends playing with the action? No, he didn't do any of that. Look, we, we all have. He told you a new story that you didn't like. You're still buying as many Darth Maul dolls as you <laughs> can get your hands Look, we, there's, you know, we all have those crazy uncles or aunts or you know, people in our life and those things that are in our life that we find stupid or not really up to par with the rest of it. You know, the Star Wars universe is going to have that too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's nice to see this. So, but... So you were on TRL back, what, it was 90... I was in 2000, yeah, it was 2004. Right, was you, were in, you were on Rosie O'Donnell back in... 99. Yeah. So back in 99, you were on there and you did a trivia contest and you beat the pants off of her. Well, I guess, no, I guess you actually, you, you and her we driver tied. tied. Yeah. But then the final question yes. that he was asked, he had no clue about. And the final question was, and I want to ask Chris at first, I don't know if he was listening to us talk about it before, but I did, so I already know the answer, so don't worry about it. <laughs> the question you were asked was... Well, I might have forgotten it. Uh, it was, um, what two tools did Han Solo ask for aboard the Millennium Falcon? And the driver had said a hammer and a wrench. Mm -hmm. Your answer, do you remember what your answer was? Uh, we said no, it's not. We said it's uh, alluvial dampeners and uh, hydro spanner. Right. And then Rosie O'Donnell said, uh, actually, boys, it was a fusion cutter and a hydro spanner, but, and then we interrupted her and go, no, 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 in the movie, the line of dialogue is, you know, he asked for alluvial dampers. And, right. Um, so, yes. Which actually, alluvial damper is part of a hyperdrive. It's, it's a piece of a hyperdrive, not actually a tool. But, but Rosie O'Donnell thought she knew. <laughs> but Rosie O'Donnell <laughs> was somewhat correct, because if she would have asked the question, what two tools does Han Solo use in an Empire Strikes Back? She would have been right. 
because he does use a fusion cutter when they're on Hoth, and he uses the Hydro Spanner when they're in the Millennium Falcon. Correct, but what the question was right. is what two tools does he ask for on the Falcon? Correct. And so I, I, I knew that it, alluvial <laughs> dampeners was a part, but trying to answer the question right. the way it was phrased, those were the two things, the two no, 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 no. items he mentioned. So and most you know, people wouldn't. Most people. Yeah, wouldn't. nobody's ever brought that up to me. Right. But congratulations, you are a major <laughs> nerd. <laughs> I appreciate that coming from you, with all you know and all you've done. Okay, so, so I want to see how much of a nerd Chris is by going up against you in a trivia contest. Okay, I don't I was know why I'm a nerd, but I'm like, I kind of do the spectrum. I was going to say, like, I am better today than I was four months ago because I'm constantly doing trivia in the bar. Okay. So. Well, let's see how good you are. Because the first couple are first couple questions are about the cantina. Okay. So we all know Han shot first against Greedo. Han shot. Han, Han shot. shot. No yeah. first. There was no first. I'm also right. an English major, so there you go. <laughs> but can you name the other two Rodians who were present in the cantina? No. Is that from um, Tales from the Cantina? They're, they're mentioned in Tales of the okay. Cantina. Uh, One of them starts with an E, doesn't it? No. Ah. I mean, Beto is the name of the uh, the Rodian that looks exactly like Greedo, who's at Jabba's Palace in Return of the Jedi, but right. I don't think Beto is the one who's in the Cantina. He's not. It's, you want me to tell you? Agrita is the new singer in the Terrible Jedi Rocks band. Correct. Terrible. How dare you? Um, I forgot. That's gosh, the major I don't know. Jedi they changed. It's Nesh and Thuk. Thuku. I don't remember that at all. Nah, no. I seem to remember the Tales from the Cantina one because it was... he. They have Greedo like go because he's trying to prove to the other Rodians that he's all tough and he's going to go get them mm -hmm. all Okay, next question. Who owns the Mos Eisley's Cantina, and what species are they? I know the answer. Do you know the answer? I'll let you go. Is it a Whippid? No. No, it's now a, a Wookiee named Chalmun. Ah, damn it. Yes. Uh, as soon as he said it, I'm like, I'm right there. I feel like uh, we should have a buzz in. Whoever raises their hand first <laughs> well, gets no, the answer. I'm, Chalmun I'm is, a, is a bay and grayish looking Wookiee male yeah. who's owned the Cantina since the Galactic Civil War, originally a street thug who, unfortunately, no, we uh, did. Yeah. Took money from tourists in Ord Mandel. As that. a bonus question to that, what was the first appearance of Shalom's Cantina? And what part of the universe? Or when was it? What was the first appearance? First, appearance, first official canon appearance of the Cantina. Was one before the movie? No, I mean it would have to be. Or chronologically. In chrono chronological order. Uh, now chronological order. So it's something that's in some other media. Yeah. Well, no. It, yes. It, uh, visual media. Oh, it's got to be in. Is it in Rebels or is it in Clone Wars? It's Clone Wars uh, sphere of influence. It was season three. Oh episode yes, four. yes, 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 yes. Of course, the, the canteen also appeared in three other episodes. It was later on. It was season four. Yeah. Bounty Brothers of Revenge. Uh, okay. One of the bounty hunters in Empire Strikes Back is wearing a costume from a 1966 sci-fi television show. I have to know that. Name the Star Wars character as well as the show and episode the costume first appeared in. I can do two let's or three. Just, let's wait a couple. We're almost done here. It's Bosk and he's wearing a Doctor Who costume, but I don't know where it's from. Yes. It's the Doctor Who, the 10th planet. Okay. 
I knew it was Yeah, his, his spacesuit is... Doctor Who. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. If the... Uh, I'm not going to do this one because you both... Well, no, wait. If, if the Death Star is a globe, what cardinal direction do the X-Wings fly in the trench for A New Hope, and where is the exhaust port? Uh, it's, oh, not, it's not on the Meridian, direction. right? No, it isn't on the Meridian. They fly... Oh, no, it's not on the equator. It's not... Is it in... Yeah, that's what I meant, the equator. Because the, everybody thinks it's the it's equator. Not it's not an equatorial it's not trench. On the, that's not the trench. Is it up on the north part of, of the thing? Yes. It's the nor, it's northern area, and it's the polar trench. Polar trench. Okay, how many do-backs were the, in the original 1977 theatrical cut of Star Wars? And how many were added for the most current edition of the Blu-ray? Two. One outside the cantina... And one looks sir droids. Okay. That's that's the original. Uh, how many did they add? Mm-hmm. Isn't there two more? They added two more because there's the CGI in the background that you see in the full. Because you, you only see the do back in the full when it's outside the camera. Five were added. Five. There were four wow. added for the original special edition, and then in the most recent edition, there was another one added. Uh, that there. Oh. There was another one added outside of the cantina. I haven't. Uh, that's right. I haven't watched that Blu-ray. I watched the Despecialized and the Silver Screen editions yeah. that I somehow got. Um, let's see, you haven't read the comic book, so you don't know. You probably won't. Know I don't that. know comics very well. Okay, new comics or is it the original? Marvel? It's the Marvel comics. This is uh, reveal. Uh, let's see, as revealed in this uh, this year's Marvel comics, Darth oh, yeah, Vader yeah. finds out that his son, that he has a son from Boba Fett between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Mm -hmm. At that moment. What four dead and three non-dead characters knew Padme survived to give birth? Oh, Jesus. I had no idea. The not-dead are... I could probably figure it out. Through well, so it would okay, have give to me be... The not, not, not you got Yoda, Kenobi, Bale, and, and uh, Uncle Owen. Okay, the total of them are Darth Vader... Are not dead at this point. Oh, oh because right. Vader's the fourth. R two D two, Yoda, Obi Wan Kenobi, Padme's dead. Obi or Lars Owens, or, oh yeah, Owen Lars. Wow, Captain Antilles. Oh and right, because it would be oh, yeah, after. Okay. Yes, mm -hmm. it's after New Hope. Okay, um, who are the two youngest senators to ever serve in the Galactic Senate, Imperial Senate, that were women? Is it? Isn't it? Uh, Amidala and Leia. Leia. It is Mon Mothma, Mon Mothma, and Leia. I knew it was Leia. I didn't realize they put Mon Mothma that young. I didn't realize it either until I... <laughs> I wonder uh, where that's from, because I don't know if they've canonized where she actually starts in the Senate. She's in the last season of Rebels. Yeah. Yes. But... And she's not, she's not super old at that point. But no, she, but she's, they also she's obviously her, much you, you older than Leia. You see her also in, in the Republic years. Yeah, because they, well, they the show deleted her during the Clone Wars and then also the deleted scenes. Yeah. Name the nine planets in order that Yoda steps foot on in the six films. Nine planets? Or, excuse me, name the planets. No, it's question nine, sorry. Name the planets. You've got Naboo, Coruscant, Dagobah. Kashyyyk. Kashyyyk. Nine? In the original three no, films? No, 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 sorry. The question's nine. Name all the planets in order that Master Yoda sets foot on them. Okay, well, films. screw in order. Because I only got four. Um, in episode one, oh, he's, he's on Coruscant and Naboo. Yes. 
on in episode two he is only on Coruscant. In episode three he's on Coruscant and Kashyyyk. In episode four he's not in. In episode five he's on Dagobah. He's also on Dagobah in in Revenge of the Sith. And in Return of the Jedi, his ghost is on Endor. Does that count? That, that counts. Okay, here's what it is. Coruscant <laughs> Naboo for episode one. Coruscant Kamino, he's not shown, but mentioned that he goes to Kamino to check out the clones. Oh, duh, he's on Geonosis. And Geonosis. Oh, yeah. Which you both missed. Coruscant Kamino doesn't count. You don't Kam- see it. He goes to that planet. It is mentioned within the film. It's mentioned, but you don't see it. That's not fair. It's a trick question. <laughs> then, then the, the question of hey, how many on. non you guys, how many non force users have touched a lightsaber you can throw out because if you're not talking about what you see, then there could be hundreds of other people. Okay, here's one that, that you probably won't get, but it is an interesting fact. It's very important. This is very important. Jedi is key to the prequel trilogy, but never appears in it. His name changed by a typo in Attack yeah. of the Clone script. Because the F and D keys are next to each other. The Cyphodias. Which was one of my when you were like what uh, what annoys you about the the movies? I wanted they just talk about Cyphodias like he's this super important guy and he's not. He's yeah. like nobody. Right. That was one of my things. Well, Cyphodias like, always felt like it would be in it when when Django says that he was hired by Darth Tyrannus. Which also, if he says, does he say Darth Tyrannus to, to Obi Wan? Shouldn't that be like? Yes, a, he does. Yeah. Shouldn't that be like a, a thing? Like, wait, what's what's a Darth? What is that? <laughs> but I always thought Tyrannus was going to be Sifo-Dyas, and he would be a character that would at least fit into the backstory of someone who was yes. there before Dooku, and then yeah, he just yeah. disappears. Okay, let me give you one more question. Rank these starfires, starfighters by weapon firepower from the weakest to the strongest. Oh jeez. A wing, B wing, E wing, V wing, X wing. Y wing. I need to take notes. <laughs> Holy crap! Z twenty five or Z ninety five. A and Tie Fighter. So you've got A B E V X Y Z ninety five and Tie Fighter. Well, the B wing should be at the, t- the top. From from, from, s- from weakest, weakest to strongest is strongest is going to be the B wing. Strongest is the B wing. Then the E wing, then the A wing or the Z ninety five. A wing's only got two, and but it's A- got A wing and Z ninety five are the two weakest. Uh, y wing has better like bomb. Uh, well, I don't know a Y wing. It, it, it y- wing, E wing. I don't know V wing. The Y to me would be two because it has an. The V wing is the. <coughs> that's the fighter the, in Revenge of the Sith. Yes, the very it's last very fighter small, you see so that kind of has the. The same oh. sound as the TIE Fighter. It's the one after the Z? Oh, the TIE. So, let's say the TIE is the weakest. And then I would go with the, the TIE, and then the A-Wing, then the Z-95. No, I'm sorry. The TIE, the V-Wing, the A-Wing, the Z-95, the X, the E, the Y, and the B. That okay. makes sense to me. Ready? The A-Wing is the weakest. Wrong. Then TIE Fighter. <laughs> Wrong. Then Z-95. Then V-Wing, X-Wing, E-Wing, Y-Wing, B-Wing. So basically, except for the TIE and the A, we got it. Pretty much. And they're wrong. Yes. Because the A-Wing can... A-Wing has more maneuverability 
what the cannons Both are stronger. The, the cannons are yeah. The cannons are stronger. I, I don't know about. I don't know that a Z ninety five headhunter is more powerful than a Tie fighter either. I'd question. Well, that. the Z ninety five has the two cannons also. The, two, the right. A and the Z ninety five to me, if you're just doing cannons, the A would be below the Z. But doesn't the Z have a the, uh, the Z has a proton torpedo launcher? Yeah. The Tie fighter should be at the bottom because it's two very small cannons. The A one right. has the two cannons on the side that are lo much longer. Right. Okay, so there is no clear-cut winner. You both are pretty good at it. Um, real quick, on your tombstone, what would your Star Wars... Well, we just got dark. Best, now we've killed him. Best one? Best one. Uh, your focus determines your reality. Quagungeon. That's a good one. Especially after the story you just told. You can do anything you yep. put your mind to. All right. Wow. This is a great show. Anybody Including fighting any... a war for Queen Omidolf. I know we're running long, but does anybody else have anything for JC? No, thank you for having yeah, us. Yeah. yeah, guys, this was fun. We've got to open the doors now. Yeah, real quick, you've done two films. You want to do more. What do you... What If, if I have all this, these ideas and streaming in your head and all this mass... What's the one you want to do right away? Um, What do you think? I want to do... I want to do... Uh, uh, nostalgic I, I don't want to do a Star Wars I want to do a nostalgic adventure film that feels like uh, Goonies meets uh, Indiana Jones that's okay. what I would do if I that's could cool. do anything a very like like the main characters are teenagers on a treasure hunt mm. you know uh, getting involved in something that is bigger than them and having to figure out their way out of it because yeah. I feel like that is something that uh, a giant hole in movies today and cool. no, so real quick tell everybody where they can go to see your work uh best, best place is just youtube and just youtube hughes the force summer 78 return of return of the jedi I and think hughes is h-u-g-h-e-s yes. yes like john hughes yeah and it's just uh, so good. if you like the clone wars james arnold taylor plays obi-wan kenobi yes in hughes Yay. the force and cat Tabor. Plays Padme and Kevin Smith is in it and Tom Kane who plays Yoda yep. does a voice in it and name dropping uh, like crazy it's so, but then it's, it's really well done I was I was no no it's just funny it's, it's like, so funny because yeah, when we were talking everything I was like these sound so familiar so when I went back and started watching I'm like oh yeah I know these yeah I've seen these mm -hmm. okay so with that I think we should just wrap things up do you want to tell everybody where the cantina is. Cantina's in Hollywood. There you go. <laughs> uh, if you're listening to this right now, you can buy tickets at uh, scumandvillainycantina.com or scumandvillainycantina.eventbrite.com. We've got, we're open a couple more weekends and then we're going to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash scumandvillainycantina. And we'll be making announcements whether or not we'll be around in August Uh Fairly shortly. Well, I hope so because my birthday's in August. I'd love to come back and <laughs> sell my birthday in the cantina. You say sell your birthday? Sell my in the birthday. Great. Yes. Gonna sell sell your my Nobody's going to buy that. <laughs> All right, so the live feed actually did cut out kind of early. The uh, I guess the battery died or something, or the feed was too slow. But we will. We also had to move because they are setting up. We so we will have the footage that we will edit and put back up or put it on our YouTube page which we do actually have one, which is YouTube slash Nerdables. But make sure you check us out on Facebook.com slash Nerdables. We're also on Twitter at Nerdables Show, and we're on Instagram as Nerdables. Make sure to like and comment our shows because we really want to hear from you and know what's going on and what you think of this, what we're doing. 
And next week, we'll be doing our San Diego wrap-up show, possibly from Comic-Con. <laughs> Maybe. Yes, so, I promise you stuff we don't do. <laughs> until then, for everyone here at Scum and Villainy, I'm R.A. saying may the force be with you.